are your dreams? What are your aspirations? What is a great manager to you? What's a great leader? Tell me about someone who has really developed you in the past and what with them great. And essentially, how do you like to be led? So that's not like, where do you want to be in 30, 60, 90? But at the same time, instead of like, where do you want to go? What role do you want? It's who do you want to become? Like, what are some of those characteristics that... I want molded in me and that I really see leading to more opportunity, whether that's in the role currently or potentially down the road. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Sales Enablement Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Paul. Now, that was Tara Horstmeyer. Tara is currently the Director of Partner Success at Gravy. And in this episode, we have an extended conversation about building your personal brand on LinkedIn. At Gravy, Tara works with a dynamic CEO, Casey Graham, who is passionate about enabling his team to build their own personal brands on LinkedIn. And he's also a visionary who sees the benefit to his company of empowering people to do this. So Tara takes us through her journey over the past year, really, and her mission to use LinkedIn to share more, give more, engage more, learn more, and most importantly, to grow more. And we dig into the impact this engagement has had for Gravy and for her personal growth as a manager. And I I can tell you, she's killing it. She's already been promoted twice so far this year. It's a fun and personal conversation. Make sure you stick around for it. Now, before we get to Tara, I want to remind you to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to it. And if you subscribe, please leave us a review. We really appreciate your feedback about how we're doing. So thank you. All right, let's jump into it. Tara, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Andy. So, uh, where have you been hanging out during all the all the the good times of the pandemic? <laughs> yeah, all the crazy. Um, mostly at uh, my home up here, just a little bit north of Atlanta. We call it OTP, as in outside the perimeter and Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> and what which town you said? Coming, Georgia. Coming, Georgia. Okay, I've been through there. Yeah, I spent a lot of time like Duluth and Alpharetta and so on. So. Uh, up in that northern northern area, um, and you said you you it's a birthday in your home today. It is, and the funny thing is, my oldest is twelve today, and um, I actually have a big birthday tomorrow. So we are only about an hour and a half apart from each other, but we each have our own day. So that oh, congratulations! Means, yeah, it's celebration, and it's a big one. So so I'm- well. Can we ask which big one it is? Sure, it's the big four zero. Oh wow! Look at you—you you made it. I made it somehow. I may not look the same, but you know, I made it. Well, that's good. That's exciting. Uh, wow, <laughs> forty. Of course, yeah. I can't. I can't remember my fortieth birthday was so long ago. <laughs> but uh, it's good. That's good. That's good. Forty. I like yeah. that. And a 12-year-old. So you've got two other sons, you said. Yes. So we've got 12, 9, and two and a half. Now, are they actually going back to school or is it still homeschooling? Yes. So um, in the well, in the county, we are close to um, Atlanta. But thankfully, I think our, our rate, honestly, has been less than 1% in Forsyth County. So our kids are back in school, or at least we have the option. Um, and everybody has kind of made the choice for themselves and what's best for them and their family. And mm-hmm. what was for us is to um, send the older two back to in-person school um, in middle school. Our, our oldest is sixth grade. 
And then um, our middle is in fourth grade. And then, of course, the toddler um, has been going to daycare actually since May and doing great. So, so far, so good. Every day, we just kind of keep our fingers crossed. Well, I was going to say, so as, as parents, because as, yeah. as parents, I mean, you, you know, the kids bring home stuff all the time that, you know, they're asymptomatic. And then the next day, you're down for the count. Um, yeah. So how are you, you know, sort of handling that psychologically and, and physically? Well, I mean, you know, we, we literally are just taking it one day at a time. Um, I think because my father was a pediatrician, so mm-hmm. for just being around, um, you know, obviously this is different, but being around that kind of um, just illnesses in life and, and specifically children, uh, we just kind of have the, hey, you know what, we're just going to um, do everything we can to stay healthy. Ask my kids, I'm like crazy. Like the second they walk in, I'm like, don't touch anything. Go wash Wash your hands. hands. Yes. Wash your hands right now. You know, I'll put sticky notes and I'm like right there. So we, you know, we do the best we can. I think like every single parent and every single, um, just everybody right now, you absolutely do the best you can. But at the same time, um, just, you know, we've got to keep doing what we feel um, works for us and Mm -hmm. taking all of those precautions, you know, mentally as well as physically into play as we make decisions. And I'm also one of those people to where like, hey, what we feel is best today may not be what we feel is best tomorrow. If we yeah. change, then, you know, we'll change and we'll adapt. Yeah. And, you know, if we decide, hey, we need to go to virtual at any point or the school decides like we are so like, hey, we're, we're just going to roll with it. And um, this is a year unlike any other. So that's OK if we need to make changes. Yeah, well, it's sort of a year like last year, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> it'll have its own home to director. Yeah. Now, let me ask you as, as yeah, a, a working mom and mother of three boys who had to be schooled at home, how, how'd you guys handle that? I mean, you're, mm-hmm. you're running a sales team and running a, a, a team of three. Oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) It was, you know, I I guess how we handled it is very imperfectly and um, with as much grace and forgiveness for each other as we could give. And, you know, it's one of those things where, um, you know, all of our lives just changed on a dime and uh, being adaptable was just the way it was. So the first Monday after it was, okay, everybody's home, school's locked down, you know, we're virtual um, back in March. And it was very very obvious from the beginning that it's like, okay, there's going to be a lot of clunkiness. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. the e-learning platform was down. There was tears. There was freaking out. There was people needing something constantly. And um, I think for me, it was just a decision of like, okay, I'm going to show up (laughs) right where I need to be. And it was literally a um, practice in presence and I did not nail it perfectly. But when I decided I was like, okay, I've got to be present with my 12 year old because he needs this specific. And then, so my nine year old's going to have to wait and the two year old's going to have to wait and just kind of going through who needed me the most at that moment um, throughout the day was really all I could. And, um, you know, just truly lean on each other for, I mean, my blessing was that I did have a 12 year old who could kind of rock out his stuff. He's very much a go-getter, wanted to finish things early. So he was finished with enough time to help um, take care of the two year old and take him on walks and really just be our live-in babysitter for like two months. So that helped. Okay. So here's a question for you then Mm -hmm. is, is what, did you take from, you know, the lessons learned from from managing what your kids are going through, and apply it to managing your team virtually? 
Mm, that's such a good question. Um, I think essentially you could almost replace a 12 year old with a, you know, 20 something year old. I didn't want to say it. I wanted you to say it. I didn't want to say it, but go ahead. Yes. Well, but you know, it's like everybody's got needs and um, everybody just needs different things at different times. And so I think when you just have limited energy and limited capacity and limited just bandwidth, that prioritization for any um, leader, any manager is going to have to be because it's so tempting to just put out fires as they come or answer um, what is just the most urgent, but maybe not the most important. And so I think as we all think through just our lives and how we want to, I mean, go through them and tackle things in appropriate order, um, making sure that, hey, yes, there are things that are urgent, but what's important and Mm -hmm. keeping that for myself, just for my sanity, but also for everybody I was leading or um, just working alongside and working with. It's just really keeping that focus of, hey, is this the most important thing or is this just, you know, an urgent fire that really needs to put it or is it just something that we think is a fire? Uh, And then, you know, appropriately handling it that way. Yeah. The old Eisenhower grid of urgency versus important and so on. Yeah, absolutely. Or quadrants, I guess. Um, Well, so for people who aren't familiar with gravy, tell us what you do. Yeah. So at Gravy as a whole, we are um, the go-to resource really for personalized payment recovery at scale for businesses who have uh, recurring recurring revenue models. So tell us what that means precisely. So it means like, hey, let's say that you are a SaaS business with a subscription model. You know that every month you've got churn and there are customers, there are users who are essentially going out the back door with failed payments. And it's not necessarily um, something that anybody thinks about on the regular, but we do. So we think about, hey, the second that payment fails, um, some people have, you know, Dunning or they'll have software and they'll um, do a retry or they'll do an email sequence. Well, great. Mm-hmm completely takes that off of our clients' plates so that they don't think about it. And the way we approach this in the personalized, um, empathetic, human, one-to-one way. You send you send the bone breakers to the, to the door. Yes, we do. No, <laughs> we send really caring, empathetic people. Um, because nobody wants to talk about, you know, failed payments, especially when you're trying to grow your business. And right. also, you know, go essentially go after these failed payments, these customers, these users who are churning. Uh, but the way we do it, and you know, it's really our our secret sauce, so to speak, is because you know we know that really it's such an issue, and it's so important to keep your customers and keep your users engaged. Um, so it's obviously with speed and with um, effectiveness, but it's really the human solution, um, you know, to the problem that we put on it. And the results are just wild, you know, go figure. But uh, for us, it's really, really worked. And we have clients who essentially look at us as like a back-end sales team, um, as well as a retention team and, of course, revenue recovery. Well, yeah, so that's the question I was wondering is, so how often in the course of uh, revenue, quote unquote, revenue recovery. I won't say collections. Um, yeah, you, <laughs> yeah. I mean, do you then get the customer to, yeah, sign up again? Yeah. So it's wild because in this, in in kind of what we do, and that's why we are very different from collection. So collection is more of like old debt or bad debt or past due debt, that that kind of thing. Our um, service is really toward those credit cards that just decline, and there's over a hundred reasons why. You know, yes, it could be, hey, you know, you've got a new card number, but there's, I mean, insufficient funds. There's just so many reasons Mm -hmm. that 
decline. Um, but we are so brand um, specific with our clients that you don't even know gravy exists. So people could be listening and actually have, um, you know, gravy could have reached out and been like, wow, that was a really nice person saying, Hey, I'm here to help you. We're more like a customer service arm of our clients. Um, Mm -hmm. we come in with just a helpful approach of like, Hey, let's get you back on. I know you love this service. Um, and you know, and resell it in a way that's like, wow, not only am I back, um, in the fold, you know, am I getting my payment back online? But like, that was such a great experience that now I'm even more bonded to the brand to begin with. Uh, that was so seamless. That person was so helpful and um, just made that experience not sticky, you know, and not icky and, and um, you know, frustrating because right. you also want to be back into whatever you've already paid for, essentially. Interesting. Very interesting. Um, so you're SDR manager for them or SDR growth manager. So is there a difference between an SDR growth manager and SDR manager? Not so much. You know, I think I like the term because um, I essentially, you know, get the job of not just managing. And I feel like, uh, you know, like a lot of people are different than like managing and leading. Um, But really, to me, it just reminds me every day that um, I'm in charge, not of just metrics and quota, but really their growth and uh, their individual team, individual contribution as team members. Um, And so I really love that kind of growth piece to it. Mm -hmm. Because it forces me, honestly, to look at the role and look at uh, just my team differently. So I love that part. <laughs> so how do you yeah, sit with your individual contributors and say, hey, let's define what your growth goal is and how do we you know, put together a plan to help you get there? Mm. So it's... Um, easily one of my favorite things that I get to do. And it actually starts before, uh, at least for our last two team members, before they even started, I was able to get an hour with them relationally and just ask, give them essentially a little bit of homework before they even started and said, Hey, once you have a little bit more bearings and context, um, Mm -hmm. talk through what this looks like for you. And um, before you even begin, what are your dreams? What are your aspirations? What is a great manager to you? What's a great leader? Tell me about someone who has really developed you in the past and Mm -hmm. them great. And essentially, how do you like to be led? And uh, so that's not like, where do you want to be in 30, 60, 90? But at the same time, I'm more, instead of like, where, where do you want to go? What role do you want? It, who do you want to become? Like, what are some of those right. characteristics that I want molded in me and that I really see leading to more opportunity, whether that's in the role currently or potentially down the road? Um, and the benefit of us being a startup, it's like, you know, opportunities literally can pop up tomorrow. that <laughs> We're not here yesterday. Mm-hmm. But I think there's, yeah, but I think there's also something to what you're doing in, in the sense that I th- think what we too infrequently do with, with new hires or people at any level really is what you're doing. It's, it's, it's yeah, it's what your dreams are, but I heard or read some way phrase this in a way I really liked is, is so what's the lifestyle you envision for yourself? Mm, yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, because when you, when you define it in the context of a lifestyle, then you have to get kind of pragmatic about, okay, Cool. So what are the steps to get from where you are to where you want to be in terms of the type of life you want to lead? And put it in that terms, I think, is something much more powerful instead of what job do you want to have and how much money do you want to make? I mean, which could be an outgrowth of lifestyle, but if you want to be flying on private jets all the time. But, but um, yeah, I think it's, it's so important and so rarely done. What you're really talking about to me is, is 
mentoring somebody. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's um, honestly, I think where my my passion for this birth. And I absolutely love um, just taking someone from A to B, but then letting them see like, hey, there's there's C, there's D, there's Z, there's all of this over there beyond even what you vision for yourself right now. And even what I envision for myself right now is the ability to have um, the perspective of someone else's eyes, someone who already believes in you before you believe in yourself. And I've been lucky to have had a bunch of just really great mentors and people pour into me so much. Mm-hmm. You just naturally, it's not like I wake up and like, I want to be a mentor today. Even though I've done that for me, it's the opportunity every day with, um, especially working with typically, uh, younger workers and people who are still so fresh and, um, and their perspective and eyes just to say, Hey, don't even just look past today. I mean, just look past today. Don't even look to tomorrow, but let's look to next week and uh, let's let's think huge, you know, but I'm also very uh, practical. So mm-hmm. it's like you can get kind of too big for your riches sometimes, but I'm like, well, it, like you were saying, what does that mean in terms of actionable steps that we can work toward today, this week, next week, um, while you are working toward your KPIs and hitting your goals? Uh, what does this mean in the bigger scheme of things, but also what does this mean for you today? Yeah, I think this this for me too often is missing in especially in today's sales environment, where coaching tends to be very transactional, and mm-hmm. we miss what I call mentoring, which is different, which is the development of the individual, not as a salesperson, but the development of the individual, which is going to benefit the salesperson, and that has to be paid attention to as as keenly as you do how we develop this person as a salesperson. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because you you are, you're leaving so much opportunity on the table uh, when you do, when you just look at them on one dimensional, essentially, instead of taking into, um, into account their entire being and their entire person. And yes, there's times where you do want to just say, okay, let's focus in on skills. Let's focus in on how we can write this better, how we can communicate or message or all of that. And I'm such a fan of all of those. But I think truly to unlock and develop their entire potential, you have got to also dig into other areas areas of their life that they'll let you in, which I mean, is so like, it's just such a trust thing that you hope to build over time. You can't walk in first day for most people and no. say, tell me your life story. And I want to <laughs> make all these great things. I mean, I would, but for most people, you have to earn that and know that even if you do say that they're going to give you you know, that a small portion of who they are. And then you've just got to earn it over time and making those deposits as their leader, showing them, hey, you can trust me with more than just your KPIs. You can trust me with more than just your quota. But I've got to show that to them every day. Well, it's no different than what you have to show to your buyers because True. the trust has to exist there for them to share information with you, the level of information that you need, and to be open and vulnerable and so on. So, yeah, it's a great lesson for sellers to experience because it, it just it mimics what you have to do in a customer interaction as well. Now, one of the reasons I want to chat with you is because you, uh, your whole company actually, led by your CEO, Casey Graham, is, have really embraced LinkedIn, I believe, in a very effective fashion that I think could be a role model, if you will, for people out here in sales that are looking to you know, build their own brand, build the company's brand, engage with potential customers, and so on. So you've committed yourself to this process, and just want to go through it. And it's funny, you wrote 
in a post, you said, you know, LinkedIn is ridiculous. So tell people what you meant by that. Well, what I meant was it's so funny because I think anytime you go into a social media, you automatically have preconceived notions, you know, especially when you've been around a minute like I have, you know, and have seen the birth of Facebook and Instagram and um, all of these different platforms. And LinkedIn was always something, especially just with my very unusual career journey that I just never embraced. I literally thought like a lot of people who I talked to, unfortunately, and I feel almost like an evangelist now, um, you know, telling everybody about like how great LinkedIn really is, is I just kind of thought like, hey, it's it's something for perfect, like those people, like people who really had their stuff together, were super professional, had years and years of all of this hardcore experience and were writing like white papers. You know? So I'm <laughs> like, oh my gosh, I don't belong, you know, like that's just not right. me. Um, but once Casey really honestly started and he'll tell you too, um, anybody that just modeling the way of like, Oh, this is not what I thought it was, or maybe it was, but now it's different. And now it's morphed, um, into that. And so it took me a minute. Um, I, I initially tried to engage a little bit at the beginning of the year, but then as we know, 2020, you know, the world ended essentially. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> and right. Step back to focus on all the things. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, you know, but really it was, toward the beginning, actually right at the beginning of summer. And I really saw Casey develop. I mean, honestly, for me, I'm such a relational person that um, I just saw all the relational, um, just uh, people he was connecting with, the connections, the conversations, how much he was learning from other people. And, you know, I was like, well, I'm going to give this a shot. Not even like that there was an end goal, but like, I just want to connect and I want to learn. And by that time I was doing what a lot of people do, which I think is just like scrolling through posts, looking, learning, connecting, but not really giving back, you know, not posting, Mm -hmm. you know, just kind of, um, and it's, it's, there's nothing wrong with it, but that's how I was engaging just to, just to see, just to kind of get my swimming feet under me. And once I just saw like, oh gosh, there are normal people, regular people who are just sharing what they're learning, what they're seeing, um, you know, leadership lessons all the way down to strategic, how to write emails. I mean, it was such a, just all across the board of incredible, incredible people with really, for me, individual, unique perspectives and voices that I was like, well, shoot, I'm just going to put stuff out. So I did. And what was ridiculous about it was, um, of course, the, the, the positive feedback and people saying things, but it was just more for me. I think it was ridiculous in the amount of just connections that I was able to make with just genuine, awesome, normal people, you know, who are just trying to figure out this career world, this working world, this life, um, just like the rest of us are and doing so in a way that's really bringing value to other people. And um, so that's what made it honestly ridiculous for me. Well, but and so here's the question is, is, is someone's going to hear that and they're, let's say someone in the same role as you're in as math frontline manager and going to say, well, I don't know. It seems like it's a distraction to have my people do this. I mean, what what do they get out of it? What if I do that? Yeah, you know, what do I get out of it? They're probably asking. And I, more often than not, I think at this point. So, what are you getting out of it? So, I think for me personally, you know, as more of us do it, it is brand recognition and exposure. But the whole, I guess, the key for me is that I didn't go into it saying um, necessarily. I don't know if that's the right question that I was asking. What am I going to get out of it? It was more, and I guess it could be as well. Many, but yes, I've gotten connected. Well, yeah. The question is, if not, what do you get out of it? The question is, well, okay. Based on what you're doing so far, is why keep on doing it? Hmm. 
Well, I think for me, it's pretty clear because now I'm so involved in the community there and the people there Mm -hmm. that I miss it. You know, I went on vacation for a week and I think I posted once or twice, but I was still looking and, and it's just kind of one of those things that you feel like there's something going on there that not that I need to, there's no need to like post or interact. I mean, I take days off every week. I'm not a everyday poster kind of thing, but I just really love, I've just gotten so used to learning essentially every day. So for me, it's really been a great tool of, hey, here's what I'm learning. What do you think? You know, so I really am one of those people that I try to ask a question in my post just to get other feedback, other thoughts um, and other perspectives to think outside of my, you know, echo chamber in my head, essentially, um, that thinks I'm always right. And I'm like, nope, that's not true. Mm-hmm. But, um Uh, Yeah. So I get a lot out of it from, again, from the engagement as in uh, the conversations that happen, whether I post something or someone else posts something and I comment, um, that to me is where the gold is, is really in the conversations. And learning. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and so let's, yeah, let's, that's a whole nother aspect. I think that people don't talk enough about, and we had um, Justin Welsh on the show a couple weeks mm-hmm. ago talked about you know building your personal brand on LinkedIn, which I think is is hugely important these days for sure. But in addition, as you're talking about, is is you're learning. Oh my gosh! And oh, and this is this is so important. As if you know, here is a venue in LinkedIn that certainly for salespeople, where there's yeah, arguably you could say too much sales content, perhaps, but. Um, but what you're finding value in, and what you're mm-hmm. saying, which I think is really interesting, is not necessarily, yeah, the white paper is written by the sales expert, but just the connection I make with someone else that has their own perspective on what they're doing and what I can learn from that perspective and apply to my job. Absolutely. I joke, I call it the the mastermind in my pocket. <laughs> I've used that before mm-hmm. because I literally can scroll through there and get actionable things. It's like, it, it's it's providing feedback loops in real time, which is so great, especially I think in sales, when you are so go-go, let's just, t- and in a startup environment, um, which I'm a huge believer that like everybody should kind of have that startup mindset of just let's right. test things, let's try things. And then if it doesn't work, like that's okay, we'll throw it out, but something works, you know, or it's worked for them, let's try it for us. So for example, last, I think it was last fall when I just first started, kind of engaging. Someone posted a video strategy and I was like, well, I'm going to go try that and literally tried it, booked a meeting. It was amazing. And I, you know, messaged him immediately and was like, thank you for posting that tip. Like you literally just booked me a meeting. Um, and I would not have thought of that. And, and it was just somewhat, you know, an SDR doing their thing. And it was one of those again, where I'm like, it's not just, I mean, there are great, um, higher level, you know, thoughts and like, gosh, that really made me think about things. But then there's so much practical, like, Hey, here's, you know, here's three tips to try, or what about doing this? And of course, Josh Braun is amazing with, um, just all of his email tips. And I, you know, so I just, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a constant learner, but I'm also a constant trier. You know? So I love to try it. Well, and so a question though is about this, because I think this is really to the point that, that, you know, I want to make for people here is that you wouldn't, I mean, yeah, you can just go on LinkedIn and be a voyeur and, you know, consume. Consume. Mm-hmm. But I think for what you're saying is that you've actually been able to get more that you'd get from just reading by actually engaging, actually putting stuff out there, A, and then engaging in addition to it. Yes, 
I mean, hands down. And, you know, it's just so interesting that um, it takes so much courage to just make that first post or to make that first post and be like, did two people see it? I don't know. And then to do it again <laughs> and again, like it takes so much courage, but my encouragement, I'm like, well, courage is encouragement. Um, it's really that, Hey, you know, once you do, and really once you find your people and you, you put yourself out there first, you know, I'm always like, show up in the comments. Like if you're afraid to make that first post or you don't know what to say, go ahead and just kind of get your feet wet by commenting on other things that you see. And eventually you'll get the hang of it. You'll get used to sharing your voice, even if it's not necessarily putting out that first post, but even before you do. And I, I think I did that for a little bit too. It's like, let me just kind of engage and, um, you know, just kind of put myself out there a little bit mm-hmm. and, and um, just start making those posts and start engaging, but really doing it as a, hey, how can this, It just like it has helped me and I've learned so much. I really try to put my post or what I write through the eyes of, could this help someone else? You know, um, could this, could they learn from this or could this, give them a pause to think about something. Yeah. Um, it doesn't have to be anything like crazy deep or profound, but um, just enough to be well, like, I want precisely. to get yeah, yeah, precisely. It's, it's, and this is, I think, the thing I really urge people, if they're listening to this, to, to take to heart, is that, and I've said this before on the show, is, is that your experience is as valid as anybody else's in sales. If you've done something and it worked for you, even if it only worked once or twice, so what? Share it. Right, it's somebody else may find value in it. You know, you don't have to have spent twenty years doing it to say, yeah, this this is valid. Is what we need is we need more people writing to you, as you said, on a personal, genuine basis. What works for them, mm-hmm. and just put it out there, and then yeah, let let people get access to it. And this may be where we find the next sort of revolutionary thing we do in sales, instead of. Thinking the only people that should have a voice are those people that you know, have written the books or whatever. Every this is a place everybody can help move sales forward, and this is the way to do it: one post at a time. Absolutely, I, I can't think of a better way to say that because it, it's so true, and it really has been my story. You know, is when I think about, I just didn't think I was. Um, enough in a lot of ways to like, what, what does it matter what I say? And I'm not, you know, this cookie cutter person, or this is not my experience, but I'm such a, and that's what I tell, you know, even um, our newest team members, it's like, Hey, your, your experience is your experience and your perspective, Mm -hmm. perspective. And if anything, we need that. We need the fresh eyes. We need, like you were saying, the person who could have the next innovation, not because, they looked at someone else and said, Hey, I'm going to copy exactly that. But you know, you're trying stuff and you're going by gut and you're, you're just testing things and then putting it out there just to say, Hey, like, you know, again, this is my experience and this is what I'm going through, but this is important and should be shared. And I think the confidence that it takes to do that is going to bleed over in every area of your life. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, if you, if you write about your sales experience, you're going to understand You'll come to understand your experience in a way you didn't before. You actually have thought it through. If you get feedback on it, yeah, I remember I wrote my my first book. Um, someone said, "What's it about?" And I said, "Well, that's so funny. You know, I I thought it was about one thing, but then I started reading what people are writing about it, and I thought, oh, maybe it's about something else altogether, right? It was it was that interaction that really helped me understand what I had written." 
Yeah, that's so important. And it's, you know, but you also took the time to listen, which I think is so important. It's like, you know, I I try to say, and, and again, this is people are busy and there is absolutely nothing wrong, you know, with anybody who, what I kind of call like, I try not to like post and ghost. Like that's my thing is right. if any comments, I want to comment. I want right. to listen. I want to take their feedback. I want to engage. I want to ask them maybe another question. If, you know, they put something that I thought was interesting, it's, you know, I love to tell me more. Um, not not because of anything other than like, wow, this is genuine perspective and maybe not at all what, like you were saying, what I even thought I was posting about or because it's going to hit everybody different, which is absolutely fascinating to me because it's a lesson in listening and it's a lesson in people. Yeah, no, it, it, it is. And, and I said, you're experience you the listener everybody that's you know hearing this is your experiences are as valid as as anybody else's so share it and then you learn more about it in the process of of doing that and i think that becomes such a critical thing in your own development um is you have a chance now to which certainly didn't exist when i was coming up in the world other than you know writing a book is um yeah trying stuff out mm-hmm just try it. Yeah. <laughs> you never know what's going to happen. If you don't try it, we always know those quotes of like, well, you're going to fail 100% of the time of the things that you don't try. But That's if right. you do try, then imagine the potential of the results or just who you're becoming by trying, you know, like even just take your eye off of a, a metric or anything that it's like, if I don't get this result, I failed. And my, you know, just my being is I'm like, well, I failed if I didn't even try, if I did not even put myself out there. And, uh, and it takes a lot of courage. I'm actually a little more risk averse, I think, than I sound that it does take. But once you do, it, it's almost, it's just like a muscle, like anything else. Once mm-hmm. you start really exactly yourself out and showing up and testing things in one area and finding success, not necessarily in what you thought was successful, but just in yourself of confidence of like, dang, that was hard, but I did it. So now when I pick up the phone or when I, you know, do this pitch or when I try this thing or I, go exactly. to my and I ask for something, you just innately are more confident and you really are becoming more of your best self. So it is wild that doing something simple, it, it seems simple by getting outside your comfort zone and posting or, um, you know, speaking up in a meeting or just doing any of these little things that do require courage um, for some more than others, for some, maybe a little bit less, uh, but anything that stretches you in that way, just it, it's again, it's just a muscle that grows and really can impact your life beyond your career and beyond your work. Exactly. Very well said. And, and, I think also I would suspect what I'll ask you the question is, is mm-hmm. I think as a woman in sales that doing what you're doing in this approach is, yeah, there's sort of maybe hopefully less of the, or more freedom to post than you might feel otherwise in other environments mm-hmm. to, to speak up and to, to develop your voice. Well, I've always been someone who is not afraid to speak up in my voice, um, you know, especially I, I've always been, it's interesting. I kind of look back at, at just my career journey and it started when um, right out of, well, in college and right out, um, I was working on the sports, de- sports desk and was a journalist. And so very much um, I, I was the only female, you know, so in a Mm -hmm. lot of roles or in a lot of positions that I've been in, not all of them, but um, I have been one of the only females. And now I'm in a house where I'm the only female. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you are. So I do think that, you know, there's value in that. And, um, you know, it it definitely offers a unique perspective because there are not as many women who are in sales or sales leadership. 
and um, or even, you know, marketing and marketing leadership. And we're seeing a lot more of that. And so part of what I think keeps me going and, and drives me is seeing more and more of that or seeing more people, um, you know, step up to the plate and say, I've got something to say and mm-hmm. I'm not going to be shy because I have all of these examples around me and ahead of me and these cheerleaders beside me who are who are male and female, you know, and Mm-hmm. wasn't the case necessarily 20 years ago when I was working, sports, no. you know, and it was very much, I had to prove myself before I could, um, essentially post myself, you know, I couldn't put myself out there as easily as, um, some other people potentially could who were in the same roles or positions. But, um, I think again, taking those first steps of saying, I'm going to be different and that's okay. Um, and then that allowed me the courage to just put myself out there more and more as I've gone. Love it. Love it. Well, Tara, unfortunately, we've run out of time, but uh, it's been a pleasure. And so people want to connect with you, obviously, on LinkedIn. But uh, if they want to connect with you otherwise, how can they do that? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, you can check us out at gravysolutions.io. And, um, yeah, find me there. So shoot me an email anytime. All right. Tara, thank you very much. Hey, thanks, Andy. I appreciate it. Okay, friends, that's it for this episode. First of all, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen. I'm so grateful for your support of this program. And I want to thank my guest, Tara Horstmeyer, for sharing her insights with us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast, Sales Enablement with Andy Paul, on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you could also leave us a rating or review, let us know how we're doing. We'd certainly appreciate that. You can do all that on your phone in less than a minute as soon as this episode is over. So thank you for your help. And thank you so much for investing your time with me today. Until next time, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone.